Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. The title of the message I want to minister to you today is called From Famine to Feasting. From Famine to Feasting. If you have the slide, I love it. If you can see in the backdrop here, uh, the slide, it is the Babylonian army who came to bring famine to the Israelites, to the, to the Jews, to the, the uh, Judah, which was the southern tribe. And then you see the Jews feasting and celebrating in a time of, uh, of feast time. And the title of this message, once again, is from famine to fasting. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I pray for the anointing and grace to preach your word. God, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive what you're saying, that we might turn and be healed. I pray let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I pray that the power of the living God and the power of the word of God would transform and change lives. You've established your word in the heavens. Now establish the word of God in our hearts and help us to see what we have not seen so that we can live in the way that we have yet to live. We love you, we glorify you, and we thank you. In your son Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Listen, I'm feeling good. You, you, got, you all are, I'm just like, I just feel the, the good spirit that's in this place that you all have brought into here. So Matthew 13, 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when the man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. When we study the Bible, it's like digging for a buried treasure. The first time that you take the shovel and you, you, you dig down in the ground, you don't reach a buried treasure because if it's truly a treasure, it's going to have some depth to it. It's going to be uh, uh, several feet on the ground. But as you continue to dig and dig and dig and dig and you remove the dirt, then you eventually find the buried treasure. So what we're doing is we're digging into the word of God only to find out that there is something, there are keys and principles in the word of God that are more valuable than gold and silver and worth more than millions of dollars. And in the book of Job, Job, there is a key that unlocks the door to divine restoration of irrecoverable losses. I'm going to say that again. There's a key in the book of Joel that unlocks doors of divine uh, restoration of irrecoverable losses. Pastor John, what are you talking about? There are some things in life on this side of eternity that cannot be recovered with the best lawyer or the most just judge, or the best laws, or the most righteous laws. There are some things on this side of eternity that cannot be recovered by the hand and the works of man. But there are some things that we see and we will find out in the book of Joel that God has the power to restore and to bring to pass even though they are no longer recoverable by man. 
as I read the book of Joel, God let this thing sit out and pop out to me. And I said, oh, my God, Lord, this is a key. And if the people of God, if the church can get a hold of this key and begin to enact it and practice it, they will begin seeing you restore things that they thought was lost and could never be recovered. Mm, hallelujah. I want to call it a catalyst. Because this catalyst will cause you to shift from curses to blessings. It will cause you to shift from ruin to restoration. It will cause you to shift from death to delight. We're going to look at this catalyst and discover it as we dig into the word of God today. Now, let me give you a couple of words going back to the title. I want to give you a definition of a famine and then give you a definition of a feast and talk about how do we transition from famine to feast. A famine is defined as this, a drastic, wide-reaching food shortage, severe hunger or starvation. It's also defined as extreme scarcity when all resources and things have been lost and they are, they are, are minute, they're scarce, they're minimal. A feast or feasting is also defined as this. It's defined as a meal that is well-prepared, and abundantly enjoy giving great pleasure or satisfaction. We're going to go into a time of famine from food so that we can begin feasting on the Lord. We're going to go into a 14-day food famine so that we can go into a year-long spiritual feast. A feast is, the, is, is defined as a period of religious festival commemorating an event or honoring God. So when we talk about going from famine to feast, I want to tell you this, that God is bringing us into a season where things that were lost will begin being restored and recovered. Can I get a good yes and amen? amen. Now let me tell you a little bit about Joel. Joel was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Israel. You had the northern kingdom of, of, of Israel, and then you had the southern kingdom, I'm sorry, of Judah. And Joel was a prophet to the southern kingdom of, of Judah. And this time and season, he begins to give a prophetic word to the nation, telling them about the invasion of the Babylonian army, that the people from the north are descending upon Judah, and they are going to capture and overtake everyone. And God tells him, and he gives him the key, that if Judah begins to make this shift, if they enact this catalyst, they will see things turned around. He lived on the time of Jeremiah, who was was a prophet who prophesied for over 42 years declaring to Israel and to Judah specifically what would happen to them if they turned away from God. And I want to talk to you and give you in this first part the two destructive components that are connected to a time of famine and what was happening in this time in the land of Judah. So the first destruction or the first thing, the first destructive element of a famine that the prophet Joel prophesied and spoke about was the famine in the land. There is no uh, question about famines. We know about droughts. We know about not having enough, things not producing at the level that they should. And Joel speaks of this. In Joel 1 in chapter uh, verse 15, he says this. Alas, for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Has not the food been cut off 
before your very eyes, joy and gladness from the house of God. The seeds have shriveled beneath the clods, and the storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down, for the grain has dried up. How the cattle moan, the herds mill about, because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, Lord, I call, for the fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness, and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals pant for you, and the streams of water have dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness. The prophet Joel is telling them that the land is in a time of famine. There's not enough for anyone. There's no food. There's no seeds. There's no trees. There is nothing. But he doesn't stop there. He said the second famine is coming upon the land. He said a famine of locusts or a plague is coming upon the land. A plague can be defined as a highly infectious epidemic disease, especially one with a high rate of fatality. We've lived through maybe one of the greatest plagues that have hit the planet in the last, uh, in the history in the last couple of years. So we know what a plague in modern day looks like. It is a widespread affliction or calamity seen as divine retribution. In Joel chapter 2, 1 through 11, God likens the advancing of the Babylonian army against the southern tribe of Judah to a plague of locusts invading a region or destroying everything in their path with nothing remaining. In verse 3, it says this. It says, before them, speaking of the Babylonian army, it says, fire devours. He said, behind them a flame blazes. Before them, he said, before the Babylonians come in to invade Judah, it's like the Garden of Eden. He said, but after they come through, behind them is a desert wasteland with nothing escaping them. So he speaks about this, this time of famine, this time of loss. Now let me make this practical and bring this home to you. What are the things in your lives, your family, what are the things in your businesses and in your finances that have been a plague? What have been the things that have come in and have robbed you of having abundance or more than enough? What are the things that have robbed you spiritually that have kept you from living the abundant life that the scripture says that we are to live? Because in the same way, in the time of Judah, they experienced a plague that that robbed them of everything that they once possessed or they possibly could possess. But let's look at the two times of feasting or the restoration of the land. Joel 2 and 22 says this, and I'm going somewhere, so just be patient with me. It says, do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures and the wilderness are becoming green. He said, the trees are bearing their fruit and the fig trees and the vineyards their riches. He said, be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He is sending you abundant showers, both the autumn rains and the spring rain as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine. So the first restoration that Joel speaks of is the restoration of the land. He says where there was lack and destruction, now there is beginning to be restoration and abundant provision. But the second restoration he speaks about is the restoration of lost years. Mm. The restoration of lost years. 
I believe that one of the greatest points of guilt and condemnation that people live with in their lives is the years that are lost that they cannot recover because of mistakes and things that were done in the past. They've said, if I could only go back and do this, if I could only change this decision, if I knew then what I know now, I would have chosen differently. Well, God has the power to restore years and decades and generations that have been lost. And every time I read this, my heart leaps with joy because I understand that God has the power of total restoration. Look at someone next to you say, he can totally restore what has been lost. Joel 2.25 and 26 says this, Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. He says, I will repay you the years the locust, <laughs> the locusts have eaten. He said, the great locust and the young locust and the other locust and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. He said, you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you and never again will my people be shamed. Hallelujah. God, you can restore what has brought us to a place of shame. You can restore what has been robbed from us from years, decades, and even generations. You have the power to restore what is, is not restorable. So Joe shows us the famine, and then he shows us the feast. He says, listen, this is what is, this is what God wants to do, but then what is the key? What is the catalyst that causes you to cross over from a time of famine into a time of feasting? What's the catalyst that caused you to make the transition from total loss to total restoration? I'm glad you asked because I want to show you. The catalyst is this. It's when a person, a people, a church, a city, a state, a nation, when an entire group turns wholeheartedly back to the Lord and humbles themselves with fasting and prayer. God says this is the key or this is the catalyst that can bring you from a place of total destruction to a place of total and absolute restoration. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12 says this. He says, even now declares the Lord this is God speaking through him. He says, even now, declares the Lord. He said, if you want to take this key and turn things completely around, he says, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. He says, return to me with all of your heart. Why are we doing this fast? We're not just doing this fast for the sake of not eating something. We're doing this fast because we are turning back to God wholeheartedly. As the nation of Judah, the, the, the kingdom of Judah, what they did 
is they begin to take on idols and worship other gods and begin to reject the worship of God and begin to, to, to turn their backs on God and they begin to live for themselves and not live for what God had called and created them to do. And as a result, famine came into the land. As a result, plagues came into the land. As a result, destruction came into the land. But God said, if you turn back to me with your entire heart and fasting and prayer is an act of humility, he says, I will begin restoring everything that you lost. I'll restore years that you lost. I will begin restoring the land. I will begin turning things around and I will cause you to live in the way that people around you have never seen before yeah. hallelujah I am obsessed with living a Christianity that works come on y'all remember that title November 6 Christianity that works that wasn't just a cute title to preach that's a lifestyle because when I read the word of God I said I want everything that's in here because if it's real if it's true then I want it amen come on now I'm not going to do a food analogy. I'm so tempted right now. I, w I was told, they said, don't do no food analogies. We're fasting. Come on, pastor. And I promised I wasn't going to do it, so I'm going to have to think of something else real quick. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ooh, for my 49er fans. My sister, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like... It's like you paid $5,000 to get a seat at the 50-yard line in Levi Stadium. You paid the full price, but then they stick you in the nosebleeds with pigeons flying over your heads by the lights. You paid for one thing. One thing was promised, but you're not living in the fullness of what you should be receiving. See, when we don't fast, pray, and turn completely to the Lord, we live a Christianity that promises abundant life, fullness, overflow, increased blessings, healing, deliverance, freedom. That's what the Bible says, but then we're living in the nosebleed section of Christianity, questioning God, wondering if things will ever turn around, and wondering if God even loves us. God is saying, that's not what I died to give you on the cross. I died to give you an abundant life. But you have to take the key and unlock what causes the catalyst to release the abundance into your life. Yes. Verse 13 says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Listen, for all of those people who the devil's been telling you, God's angry at you, God's mad at you, God don't love you, God don't care about you. That's a lie from the devil because if he convinced you of that, then that's how you're going to approach God. Who wants to be around someone that hates their guts? Nobody's going to go pray to a God that they think does not like them. But my Bible says this is the God that I serve. It says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. 
He relents from sending calamity. God, you are patient with me in my shortcomings. You are quick to forgive me. You are abounding in love. No, that's the God I want to run to and pray to and fast and spend time with and worship. That's the God I want to grab a hold of. Stop running away from a God that's trying to restore and heal and deliver you. Stop running away from the one that has the power to transform and change your life. We're running from God and wondering why things are getting worse and worse. We need to run into the direction of God. But God, you know what I've done? God says, I'm very aware of what you've done. He says, but turn to me with your entire heart, with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Why? Because that's an act of humility. That says, God, I acknowledge that I've done wrong. I've acknowledged, I'm acknowledging that I've sinned. I've acknowledged that I'm falling short of your glory. But as I humble myself, I'm turning back to you so that the key, the catalyst can be released and my life can begin experiencing total and complete restoration. Yes. Verse 14, who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Oh. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. He repeats it again. Joel repeats it again. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast and call a sacred assembly. That means a gathering of all of the believers. Tell them to come together in the fast and the pray. He says, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders and gather the children. Ooh, that, yeah, that is in your Bible too. It says, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. He said, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep. The ministers weep between the portico or the porch and the altar. And let them say, Lord, spare your people. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword amongst the nations. Why should they say amongst the people, where is their God? You are the greatest witness in California. The Christian is the greatest witness of the existence of God in the state of California. When the sinner, when the atheist, when the homosexual, when the transgender, when those who have, who have said, I am not honoring the image of God, I'm not honoring the person of God, I'm not honoring the, the Jesus Christ, when they dishonor him, you are the witness that he is real and that he is alive because when they see Jesus Christ living in you and through you, it is a conviction to show them that they are to turn and worship and have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible says you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. When they see you, they should see Jesus. I don't argue theologies with people. <laughs> I know who lives inside of me. And I let the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit speak words that I cannot speak. 
and do things that I cannot do in my own strength and intelligence. Joel 2.18 says this, Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again, everybody say never again, will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Never again will I let you live a life and be a person that people ridicule and make fun of because of what has happened to you. He said, I will drive the northern horde far from you. I'll drive the plagues and the famines far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and its stench will go up, and its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. That should be the testimony of God amongst the believers. Surely God has done great things. Fasting and prayer can change the mind of God from bad to good. God had already decided this is what he was going to do to Judah. But then he tells Joel, if they turn to me with their whole hearts, with fasting, weeping, and mourning, he said, not only will I not send the judgment and punishment, the plagues and famines that I'd already decreed and declared and decided, he said, but I will turn it around and actually send the blessing instead of what I originally decided. You are not to live under condemnation and guilt. You are to live under freedom and liberty through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This quote was so powerful. Mahatma Gandhi was not even a Christian, but he understood the principle of fasting and prayer. And this is what he said. He said, my religion teaches me that whenever there is distress, which one cannot be removed, one must fast and pray. He said, when you are in a situation that you cannot, uh, ir, uh, uh, <laughs> a situation that cannot be turned around, he said, fast and pray, and that will cause something to shift. Jensen Franklin says, the discipline of fasting releases the anointing, the favor, and the blessings of God in the life of a Christian. As we are going through this fasting, time of fasting and prayer with a repentant heart, this is the key that unlocks the door of divine restoration of irrecoverable losses. He says no matter what spiritual, physical, financial, relational losses you have experienced, God not only, uh, God has the power to restore these things. Not only can he restore these things, but he can restore an entire nation. He can restore an entire state. I want to just proclaim and declare this. Coming here to California in this early stage, 
I'm not going to complain about what the government is doing. I'm not going to complain about what's happening in the state. I'm not going to have a pity party and jump on the bandwagon of complaints. But I'm going to do what the word of God says. I'm going to get on my face. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. And listen, if you say, you know what, my family's fine. My finances are great. Everything's wonderful. I don't need to fast and pray. Why don't you fast for California? Why don't you fast for what's happening in the state? Why don't you say, you know what, God, the things that I'm complaining about, I'm going to begin fasting about and bringing them before you. And, God, I'm going to repent for the sins of the state so that you can bring forth a blessing instead of a famine and a plague. It's time to stop complaining about it and doing something about it. It's time to say, God, have mercy. I've already been repenting. I said, God, have mercy. Lord, we we repent for the sins of the state. We repent for the sins of the nation, Lord God. We do not want to see the judgment of God. We want to see the blessing and the restoration of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we enter into these 14 days of glory, we are utilizing the the catalyst of fasting and prayer to restore what has been lost what's been lost in your family worship team you can come forth what has been lost in your businesses and your finances what's been lost in your city and community what's been lost in the state my wife and I accidentally drove to A neighborhood, that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Last Friday night, as we drove in that neighborhood, and I was like, hmm, Jesus, there's a need for restoration here. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, amen. And that's why we're going to fast and pray. You can bow your heads. Actually, don't bow your heads don't bow your heads I just feel so urgently we're going to take maybe four or five minutes if you need to be seated stay seated but we're going to stand and do a corporate prayer asking God for not only the grace for us to fast and pray but for us to have the right priorities that we would fast and pray that we would humble ourselves before God and ask him to send a turnaround in whatever areas we need turnaround in. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to touch and agree with me in prayer, just, just stand up, please. We're going we're gonna to pray for a few moments. told the priest to weep between the porch and the altar you told the people don't rip your garments but rip your hearts don't have an outward sign of mourning let the mourning come from deep within your soul and father right now in the name of your son Jesus God we humble ourselves asking you for forgiveness God for the idols the things that we've placed before you 
We're asking you for forgiveness, Lord God, of being distracted. The nation had become distracted by too many things and they took their eyes off of you. And because they, they got distracted, Lord God, and they took their eyes off of you, they began to sin and dishonor your name and dishonor your will and your purpose. But Father, we're asking you in the name of Jesus Christ that as a congregation, as a church, as a ministry, Lord God, even those who are watching online, that Father, we're asking you for your mercy to be bestowed and released to the state of California, to Northern California, to Elk Grove and Sacramento, to Harvest Church, to our families, to our households, to our children, to our lives, oh God. We're asking you to have mercy, oh Lord, that Father, we're not going to live as a distracted people, but we're going to begin living as a people who are intentional to do your will and to carry out your purpose. compromised when we've let down the standard of holiness where we've dishonored what you've called us to do and what you've called us to represent Holy Spirit bring conviction so that we would repent and acknowledge and honor you Lord God Father as believers do we represent Jesus in the places that you send us or do people question if Jesus is real because of the lifestyles that we live Forgive us, oh God. Forgive me, oh God, as a leader. God, if there's anything that I've done and in any way that I've lived that I've dishonored your name, I repent right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray, forgive this church. Lord God, if we've not done things the way that you've called us to do it, forgive us, oh God. God, we pray we repent for the sins of the land. The sins of the land, the sins that have been committed in the land, oh God, that have dishonored the name of Jesus and dishonored the image of Christ Jesus in humanity. We ask you to forgive us, Lord God, and we repent, Father God, for the government. We repent, Father God, for the nation. We repent, Father, for the state. We repent for the city and the region. And we ask you for forgiveness, O oh Lord, that you would begin to turn things around and that we would experience the restoration of God. God, as we fast and we pray for these 14 days, we're asking you in the name of Jesus that we would cry out to the King of glory, that we would cry out to the King of glory, that we would cry out to the King of glory, and that you would have mercy on us, oh God, that you would not, Father, send judgment, but you would send mercy because you found enough people to stand in the gap and to cry out to you for mercy on behalf of the land. just begin finding an area just God forgive the state forgive the forgive the 
the government, forget whoever, just find some, forgive you. You may say, Lord, forgive me. I've not done the things you've told me to do wherever you're at. Let's just begin taking a few moments and just asking him for his mercy. God, we ask you right now for your mercy in the name of Jesus. God, we cry out to you for mercy, Lord God, asking you in the name of Jesus that you would spare your people, oh God, that, Lord, you would not send the judgment, but you would send the mercy of God. Lord, we're fasting because we're turning wholeheartedly back to you, oh God. Lord, let us not love anything more than we love you. Let us not desire anything more than we desire you, Lord God. Let us get rid of our idols and the things that we've exalted higher than your name, oh Lord. God, we repent and we ask you for your forgiveness. Have mercy on us in the name of Jesus. Have mercy on us, oh God, in Jesus' name. Have mercy on us, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to close the service on this. If you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ today, if you were to die and you do not know where you would spend eternity, you say, I'm not sure, Pastor. I want to pray with you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. If you say, I want to give my heart to Jesus, let me just see you raise your hand and I want to I want to pray for you. If you say, I need to give my heart to Christ today and I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to lay my life down. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to close the service, but let's do this. We're going to make a declaration. If you've questioned and you said, I don't know if I'm going to do the fast, I want to I wanna plead with you, Pre please pray and ask Jesus. Ask him. Because I believe that when we fast, we're going to cause heaven to shift and pay attention to what's happening here at Harvest Church and in the city of Elk Grove, amen, and in this region. I want to bless you but I wanted to just make a declaration with you. Just wherever you're at, let's just declare this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, we come before you for the 14 days of glory. As we fast and as we pray, we ask you to transform our lives. Jesus, we want to know you more and we want to experience you in a supernatural way. Touch us, Lord Jesus, and let Harvest Church never be the same. And let the impact of our fasting touch the state of California and the entire United States. As we cry out to you, hear the cries of your children. And as we humble ourselves before you, we pray for divine restoration. We need you more. We want to know you more. And we want to experience you more. In Jesus' name.
amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, right now, just lift your hands. Father, I bless your people as we close this service. I ask you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, that your grace and your anointing will overflow, Lord God. That your grace and your anointing will overflow, Lord God, in their lives. I pray that you would bless them and keep them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them with the light of your countenance. I pray, oh God, that you would give them peace. Lord, as they leave this place, help them to not be the same and even let how they think be challenged. We love you, we bless you, we thank you. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen. Listen. As you are going, we bless you. Remember, we have 6 a.m. prayer and 6 p.m. prayer the entire 14 days of glory. Please come out at one of those times and participate. We're going to join together. We're going to touch and agree. And we're going to see the heavens open up and God pour out his glory upon us. We love you. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome Sunday. And we will see you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.